John chapter 15, first half of verse 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, this one or he bears much fruit or abundant fruit or great fruit. Hence the title of our sermon, uh, Abundant Fruit. I think one of the, the most important lessons to teach our children as they are growing up is safety stuff. I'm a big safety freak. My, my family can testify uh, to that. My father was a big safety guy, um, especially when it comes to electricity. It's really important that we teach our children their relationship to electricity. It should be a relationship that is cold and distant, right? Does everyone agree with that? Um, but sometimes, sometimes we have to experience these laws in order to, to figure them out. So that was, of course, my case. I didn't always have a healthy relationship with electricity. My parents taught me that, though. They said, if you do this, this is going to happen. However, there I was. I found myself one day, I don't know if I've ever shared this before, but I had a, I had a butter knife in my hand. Yeah, butter knife. You know, and, and I was sitting, and I think, I think, I want to say there was a reason for it, because it just makes it sound better. And I think that I broke off a plug in, in, my, in my outlet that was for my radio, and the radio was so important, especially in the 80s. This might have been in the 80s. Um, but I don't know if it was a reason or if I was just curious to really just test the theory. And so what did I do? Inserted butter knife into said electrical outlet. And I don't remember what happened next. I think <laughs> I was a little happy and joyful and then really frightened when I realized that I was further back from the outlet from, from when I first started. But, but, in, but it worked, right? It, they were correct. When you stick a metal object into a powered electrical outlet, that power is going to flow through you and there's going to be some, I would say it's a negative, but it's actually a positive result, isn't it? Because it's flowing into your body. Some things we have to learn uh, by experience and electricity sometimes is one of them, uh, but we see what the result is to that connection. Jesus there's laws all over the place that if you do X, this is going to happen, right? That's, you know, if you drop a ball, gravity is going to take over. Jesus gives us a spiritual law, basically, here. What is Jesus saying to us? It's a law that we all need to understand. He is saying continual abiding results in certain abundance. It is no longer a possibility, is it? It's a certainty. Jesus says, if you abide in me, the one who is abiding in me, this one, this individual bears not just a little bit of fruit, much fruit. Do we see that connection there? The power that flows through us produces the spiritual fruit that God desires in our life. And notice he says the one. I love that. 
You know what that means? It, doesn't, it means that no matter where you have, have come from, no matter what you've done in your past, no matter what your gifts, your talents, no matter how good-looking you are, no matter how fancy your clothes are, no matter how capable you are in life, if you connect yourself to Jesus Christ, if you continue in that relationship with him as his disciple, you are going to be productive for God's kingdom. Amen? That's what he's saying. It doesn't say, if you abide in me and go to Bible college. Right? Even though those things are good and those things may be a result of your abiding, he doesn't say, if you abide in me and you work really, 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 really hard at being good in your life. He doesn't say that, does he? If you abide in me, you are going to produce fruit. Anyone. No matter how old we are, no matter how young we are, no matter how new we are as Christians, Continual abiding in Jesus Christ results in certain abundance. And we're going to look at the results of that. Negative and positive results in this passage today. So we're going to start with the bad news first, which is good. I, whenever people give good or bad news, they always ask you, what do you want first? I always go bad first good after, because you can forget about the bad and just kind of focus on the good. But we're going to look at the, the bad news first. So second half of verse 5, he gives the first result, if you and I fail to abide. What does Jesus say? He says, for, this is a reason, for apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. Woman tells a story about a business venture that she started. She said, seven years ago, I started uh, a new business. I prayed diligently about the decision. I sensed God's confirmation to move forward. And because of my inexperience in, in retail operations, at this time, I depended very, very heavily on God for wisdom, direction. Between the first time I caught a vision for this venture, venture and the day we opened our doors, I prayed every single step of the way. On opening day, customers lined up around the building. With pounding heart and sweaty palms, I became acutely aware of the fact that success or failure of this business rested solely on me. For the next four years, I ran this store as if this were true. Instead of praying for God's wisdom or listening to the counsel of trusted advisors like my husband, Dan, who was also my business, business partner, I relied on myself. I relied on my own understanding. I was simply too busy and preoccupied to spend time reading my Bible. And when I did make time, I found myself rereading the same passage over and over and over again, just not applying it. Daily preoccupation with my work took over, and it took the place of my quiet time with Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain he who remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. She said, I discovered how true his words were. 
The longer that I skimped in my spiritual life, the further I fell from the vine, the further I fell from the vine, all my efforts proved absolutely fruitless. Making decisions apart from God and Dan, my husband, started to have a snowball effect, which eventually led to the demise of the business, and she says, and almost my marriage. What happened? And we see so many connections to what God, what God, the gardener, does. She got distracted. And what was also one of the main things that keep us from abiding in Jesus Christ, it's self-reliance, isn't it? We think we have this. It's one of the biggest lies that is promoted in our culture today. Yes, we can. No, you can't. Don't, no, we cannot, but I know someone who can. His name is Jesus Christ, and if we're trying to produce, and I'd say any fruit in our life, if we're trying to be productive, especially for God's kingdom, you cannot do it apart from a continual relationship in Jesus Christ. It cannot be done. We get distracted. We get pulled away. We, people start out like this, don't they? We, new Christians, you're on fire for the Lord. You're reading every day. You're praying every day. And you're, you're sensing his presence. And you know how much you need him. And then what happens? Ah, you know, ah, I'm going to just, I got this one, Lord. I'm okay. And you begin to drift from that dependence. And then you wake up, we wake up one day and our lives are falling apart and we wonder why. This is why. We've just stopped remaining connected to Jesus Christ. And we're no longer bearing any fruit. It's pretty simple. If, if we leave, if a branch leaves the vine, it's then, it, it's vulnerable, isn't it? It's just out there. It's doing nothing, but it's vulnerable to everything else. And the end result of that is just not good. So the word here for, the word here for nothing, what do you think it means in the Greek? It means not. <laughs> it means no thing, or there is not anything. And Jesus is talking about our capability apart from God. And he's saying, apart from me, you, can, you can't do anything. You can't do anything. I'll tell you what, you can't do anything that's going to last for all eternity. That's scary, isn't it? Now, I want to qualify this because there are a lot of things that seemingly we can do apart from Jesus Christ, but none of those things are going to have eternal value in the end. And, and there are a lot of times, Jesus isn't talking about doing more. This isn't about doing, it's about being. It's about being in a constant relationship with Him, and the results of that constant relationship with Him is much abundant fruit. Because we see it all the time, and I see it all the time, and I see Christians or people posting all the works they're doing in churches or whatever, and I look at those things and I'm like, I'm a punk junk Christian. I do absolutely nothing. 
Even as a pastor, I feel that way sometimes. And all these, they're always like, oh, yeah, look at me. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And I'm like, wow, these people are so spiritual. And, and then a few months go down the road, and then I hear that their marriage is falling apart, and then they're leaving the faith. What happened? This happened. This doesn't happen overnight. This doesn't happen overnight. If you're not abiding, you're going to wither and die. That's actually what he says in the next verse. This is, this is a posture of every, this needs to be a posture of every Christian. What's the posture? I'm dependent upon you. This needs to be a posture of, of our hearts as individuals and, and as a church. We need Christ. We need his life to flow through us. If his life is not flowing through us, if we're not remaining connected to him, we are going to produce a big fat cup of nothing. Isn't this why in in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says to pray this way, "Give give us this day our daily bread. Why? Because we need him every day. Just to get by. I'm up here today. I'm talking. I'm breathing. Why? Because His grace. We need that constant mindset in our lives. Because if we don't have it, what's going to happen is what happened to this lady. She's going to wake up one day. Everything's going to be a mess. We're going to be like, what happened? Jesus say, well, look, you're, you're over here. I'm right here. And if we are doing nothing in our lives, if, we are not, if we're not abiding in Jesus Christ, and if we're not producing fruit, that needs to be addressed by God. And it is in this next verse that we see here. So these, these results, one flows into the next. So the next negative result is we will be judged. Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. They gather them, they cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Maria Stenwinkel, I think that's how you say it, a corporate consultant from Sweden, asked 65 people, around the world, what's your greatest fear in life? That's an interesting question, right? What's your greatest fear in life? As you might expect, people mention the fear of dying alone. It's reasonable. Or the fear of losing their job in life, which I think is connected to this final fear that is mentioned. But out of 65 people, at least 14, more than one in every five are around 22% expressed a very different fear. What was their fear? Living a life without purpose or meaning. That's a scary one, isn't it? Listen to their own words. Anthony, New York City. My biggest fear is never taking a risk in an effort to find my true calling. Rebecca from Stuttgart, Germany. My greatest fear is to go through life living small but not realizing it until it's too late. Danielle, Sacramento, my greatest fear would be missing out on my purpose here on earth. I know I have a purpose that I am not yet serving. Luciana from Sintra, Portugal, 
to go through my life without leaving a positive mark. And Ralph from New Brunswick, my greatest fear is regretting all that I didn't do as I lay in my hospital bed as an elderly man. It's one of my greatest fears, actually, is not fulfilling my purpose here on earth or doing things that in the end go up in a puff of smoke. That's what he's talking about here. And that, my friends, is very, very scary. Or at least, it should be to each one of us. I think one of the things that we need to see here in this passage is that as disciples of Jesus Christ, each and every single one of us as a branch has a purpose. It doesn't matter how, how young we are or how old we are, we are created in Christ to fulfill His calling in our lives. We are created and called. So within Christianity, I was just talking to a, a few folks this, this past week, within Christianity, there's no retirement. Does everyone understand that? that as, as long as you're here on this earth, you're a branch. And your job as a branch is to do what? Is to bear fruit. Now, are you going to pull back? Absolutely. Are you, is there going to be ebbs and flows of that? Absolutely. I'm not saying that. But we are created to do work for God's kingdom. That's what he wants. We're saved with a purpose. It's not the, the ultimate purpose, we're going to look at that ultimate purpose, but he, he has called us to serve and to bear fruit. So no matter how old we are or how young we are, you and I are called to bear fruit. Now, we, we look at this verse, and I, I think we, we ease our conscience by saying there is no way he is talking about Christians. There's fire mentioned. There's no fire for Christians. Is there fire mentioned for Christians? Actually, there is. We're going to talk about that. But we look at this and we just like, oh, there's unbelievers. These are unbelievers. There's no way Jesus is going to treat his disciples like this. When we look at a verse like this, we got to ask ourselves a question. What is he doing by what, what, is, by what he's saying? What is Jesus doing by what he's saying to his disciples? Because we've already established that he's talking to Christians. He's already told them, go back to the foot washing. And again, here in this passage, he said, you're already clean. You're already saved. You're already justified. So what point would it have if he's talking to unbelievers? It, it wouldn't have a point. They'd be like, so what? This doesn't apply to me. If We know that Someone who is not really in Christ, are they going to bear fruit? Absolutely not. No, they're not saved. Why is he doing this? The reason why Jesus is doing this to his disciples is it's a warning. He's telling them, hey guys, look, this is a real possibility if what? If you don't remain in me. If you disconnect yourself from me. Yes, are you still a Christian? Absolutely. Are you still saved and justified? Absolutely. That's his work. But it's very, very key that we look at the phrase that he says. He says, like a branch. That's the key. 
The people aren't being burned. The branches are being burned. What's the purpose of the branch? The purpose of the branch is to bear fruit. I think out of all the translations, I was actually surprised about this, is the New Living Translation gets this correct. They add a word. What's the word? Useless. That word's not in the Greek. Why do they add the word? Because they're trying to convey the meaning. What's Jesus saying? As a branch, you are absolutely useless. We ride the bench. I hated riding the bench, right? That's like the worst thing to me, but it pays me. Everyone else is, and you're like, coach, yeah, hey, no, Mark, you're useless for this game right now. You're really good right here. Just stay here because when you get out there, actually, we lose. You're actually, you're hindering the goal, literally, or whatever it may be. I, I'm not kidding. That's I, something happened. I was the all-star, you know, I was out there. I'm just kidding. But we, we hate that, right? But that's exactly what is happening here. What does he say? They're put aside. There you go. You're just branches. You're, you're not doing anything. Just sit here and wait. Let everyone else who is abiding do the work. That's the first judgment. This judgment is progressive. It's progressive. It starts out with what God does to us here on earth, and it ends up what happens to us in heaven. And the first part of that is we are cast off or set aside. You want to talk about not, not fulfilling your purpose? There you go. You can, you can do a lot in life. You know, we can, we can uh, be the CEO of great corporations. We can make a lot of money. We can be really successful in our business. But if we are Christians, and if, if we're disciples of Jesus Christ, our, our main purpose in life is to bear fruit for him in those areas. And if we're not abiding in him, we're not fulfilling our purpose, and all those other works are just going to go up in a puff of smoke. I don't know, maybe, maybe this is what is going on in Christianity in America. You think? We should be turning this world upside down for Jesus Christ. Maybe we're staying connected to Him like we stay connected to some people on Facebook. The second part of this, what happens after this? What, what, what's a natural conclusion that happens after this is that that branch withers up. It loses its spiritual vitality. It withers up. And I think if we go back to, 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 to Paul talking about Christians, and, and this is not justification, this is sanctification related, Paul later on is going to, Paul in, in the Epistle to Timothy says, in God's household, there are what? Many vessels, right? And we want to be useful vessels. So the ones that are useful need to do what? Be cleansed from the impurities. It's the same idea. If you're not, if you're sinning or you're not abiding, and many, many times when we're not abiding, it's probably because we're, we want to choose our habitual sin over that relationship with Jesus Christ. If we're sinning, not abiding, we're that vessel that's just put on the shelf. He said, I'll deal with you later. 
but you ain't coming out for the special purpose. It's like a car that sits in a garage without an engine. Oh, yeah, look, this is my antique car. And then what happens? It eventually just rusts and, and it, goes, it goes away. It's just it. We don't want to be put on the shelf. We don't want to be riding the bench. We don't want to be put in the corner just for people to admire. We're not doing anything for him. This person withers up and dries, losing all their spiritual energy. Like an iPhone without a battery. Jesus says something similar when he talks about salt, right? The purpose of salt is for what? To flavor the food, to, to act as that, that agent of change. And if we're salt, but if we lose our saltiness, what's the point? What happens to the salt? Same thing. It's cast aside. And then what? Trampled. It's pointless. What happens after this? So I think what happens, you could see the kind of a, the break. And he says, and, and they... And they gather them up. Don't try to figure out who they are because he's just referencing branches and what happens with branches. They gather them up. They cast them into the fire and they are burned. And I think this is talking about the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. So when we die, we go before that judgment seat of Jesus Christ. It's, it's a it's a theological truth that we're just not talking a lot about in churches today. Why? Because we're afraid of a works-based salvation. Understandable, but that's not what Jesus is talking about here. The works are a result of salvation. And, and our job as Christians, and my job as a pastor, is to prepare you for that day of judgment. Because he's given us all things. He's given us talents. He's given us gifts. He's given us time. He's given us resources and energy. And one day you are going to give an account for how you used all of that. And if you're not abiding in him, this is the end result. The person who is not abiding is not bearing fruit. He becomes useless and then he's put aside and then during at the judgment seat of Christ, you stand before the judgment seat of Christ and and then what happens? You're tested by fire. The works are tested by fire. And if you are a branch doing works apart from the vine, it's nothing. It means nothing. It has absolutely no eternal value and the works are what? They're gone. That's it. That is a really, really scary thought. It scares me. Because if I'm doing these things apart from Jesus Christ, the end result is not a good one. Paul talks about it and he says if it's burned up, the builder will what? Suffer loss. Why? Because he didn't build with the precious gems and the jewels. What did he build with? He built with wood, hay, and stubble. Stuff that's just going to go up in smoke. But he is saved as if through the fire. Same word for fire that is used in both places. We don't have to go too far for imagery with, with this. This is right outside our backyard, isn't it? I mean, that was, I, I, the timing of that was just like, okay. That's scary, isn't it? And, and what a picture. There it is. What's it doing? Nothing. 
what it's waiting, isn't it? Waiting to be what? Burn. We're going to have a nice little fire. Maybe that'd be a great sermon illustration. Well, I'll go outside, set that thing on fire. Be like, not me. I don't want that to happen. <laughs> don't let this happen to you. The people in the neighborhood be like, those church folks. Crazy. <laughs> What's behind the picture? The church. I pray. I pray for each one of us that that picture is not what's happening on the inside. That would be really, really scary. But we're not going to end on that note. We're going to end on the positive note. So let's go to the positive ones. If we continue to abide, verse 7, you and I will have a very fruitful prayer life. Listen to what Jesus says after this. So, okay, the fire's done. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Ajanae Barnes and her roommate were craving ice cream one night. They used a grocery shopping app, Instacart, to load up a basket at Walmart. They asked for strawberry shortcake ice cream. They received sausage, egg, and cheese breakfast rolls. After delivery, Instacart issued a refund, rightfully so. So what's happening is a supply chain issue. And because of global supply chain issues, there is turmoil in supermarkets. Shelves are looking sparse, so order packers, the guys who place your order, are just winging it. Roses swapped for bell peppers, a thermometer switched for mac and cheese, a rapid COVID test traded for Hall's lozenges. An instant cart spokesman, spokeswoman said, high demand and supply chain issues have troubled many of its grocery partners. And Instacart gives replacement recommendations. We've had this happen. We've tried, I've tried this. Uh, and online shoppers have been left amused, puzzled, and even annoyed. Uh, someone tried to order uh, horseradish so that they can make cocktail sauce, and they received beets instead. And I guess here were some... Some of the other ones, you ordered tequila and you got tape, bananas, potatoes, same, sounds the same, shepherd's pie, shower gel, you ordered rye bread and you got a swimsuit. I'm not quite sure why that is. Maybe they're showing you the swimsuit so you don't eat the rye bread, not quite sure. Here's the deal, here's the deal folks, with Jesus Christ there are no substitutions if you and I, however, two conditions, because the supply chain is good, right? We're abiding. The supply chain's there. Everything is flowing, flowing great. Jesus rewards us at the end of the year, just like Santa Claus. And he says, you've been doing such a good job. Ask for whatever you want. It's yours, right? You want a Cadillac, right? You want some new clothes, you know, maybe, you know, you want a, you want a new face. I can even do that for you, right? You know, just switch. Is that what he's saying? No, wait, are we, are we thinking about this? Let me ask that question again. Is that what Jesus is saying? Yeah. No, thank you very, very much. I'm a little worried. Let's go back to prayer for a second. This is not prosperity gospel preaching. We're not, this isn't you give and you get. There are two conditions that he mentions here. What's happening in the believer's life? Number one, he's abiding. Number one, he's abiding. Number two, the word is abiding in him. I, I just love that picture. So what is happening? The, the, what the believer is praying for 
is guided by the relationship to Jesus Christ and the word flowing over his life and changing his desires. And he, is, he or she is praying those things that God loves to answer. He's praying the desires of God's heart. That's what's happening here. We're presuming upon him if we think that we can have this disconnected relationship with him and think that he's going to be answering the prayers in our life. And many, many times those prayers are for things like Cadillacs or or comforts or whatever they may be. This individual is abiding in Christ and he's allowing the word of God to just flood over his life and change all of his heart's desires. And this individual is praying basically back the desires of God's heart to him. He's changed. He's connected. When we're dwelling with people, we get to know them, don't we? Hopefully. If we're, right? And, and, and over the years, I've been dwelling with my family. They know me and I know them. So when it comes to Christmas time, I'm, I'm okay with buying them gifts that I think I know that they're going to like, usually. Not always 100%. But why is that? Because we begin to learn the things that interest them. We begin to learn those things that, that warm their heart, that bring them pleasure, that they like. The same goes for our relationship with Jesus Christ. The more that we're abiding, the more we're praying, and the more we're praying, the more we're abiding, We're submitting to the work of the gardener in our life. We're allowing him to cleanse our hearts. We're allowing him to prune us. We're getting rid of all the distractions in our life. We're getting rid of the sin in our life. We're confessing sin to him. And we're praying back those things. This is a changed individual. And the the result is a fruitful prayer life, but also... Bearing fruit in prayer. It's an answered prayer life. And I think that's where the fruitfulness of both of this, where he's saying, you will pray to me. Why? Because you're abiding in me. And I will answer those prayers. Why? Because in that abiding and in the word, I'm changing your heart to ask for those things. If God's not answering our prayers, and, and we got to be careful about this because, you know, we can pray things and we can still be abiding and we may not get those answers. But one of the key signs that we're, we're abiding in Christ is that we're bearing fruit through prayer. And I think that, you know, and, and, and I love, and it's not, it's not that you need to take three days and you know, you need to go and find a cabin and cover yourself in ash and dust and, and be sitting there praying. Oh, no, this is, this is a continual relationship. This is continual requests. You're constantly talking to him. I love that, that passage in Nehemiah. What a great example. When Nehemiah is before the king, and the king asks him something, what does Nehemiah do in his heart? He says, and I prayed to the Lord. That's the type of relationship where throughout our day, we're talking to him. 
Throughout our day, we're requesting things of Him. We're, we're depending on Him. We're in a relationship with Him. That's what He's talking about. And, and if we're wanting to know some of the prayers that God loves to answer, and if we're wanting to know what it looks like for someone who, who's abiding and praying at the same time, just look at the life of Paul. I think I've mentioned this book before. Um, it's, I think he changed the name of it it's by D.A. Carson. It's a call to spiritual reformation, praying, the, praying with Paul or praying the prayers of Paul. And I just wanted to give you a sample of the things that Paul would pray for. It just reflects a life that's connected to Christ. It reflects a life that's drenched by the Word. Here are some of the things that, that Paul would pray for. He would pray for godly living. Now, I'm just going to give you a, a little a, a warning for this. Just be careful when you begin to pray for these things because God's going to want to answer these things, and sometimes it's very painful. So whenever I see people going through a lot of suffering, I'm like, what are you praying for? Your sanctification? Yeah, don't pray for that. You know, you steer clear of pay, praying for patience, are you? Yeah. Yeah, how's that going? Yeah, and that's what happens. But these are the things, right? We're more concerned about character than we are comfort. We're more concerned about character and God developing a godly character in us than we are about the comforts of our life. Second thing he prays for is ministry opportunities and success, right? We, we've been trying to do that a lot as a church, and I know the prayer group faithfully does that, always praying for opportunities and always praying that we can bear fruit. So what's Paul's priority? The gospel, isn't it? You see how, he's, how that is? This is a mind and a heart that is connected to Jesus Christ. His priorities, God's priorities, are priorities. Yeah, do we want success in our lives, in our businesses, and things like that? Sure. Can you pray for that? Absolutely. But we ultimately want success in God's kingdom, and we want opportunities to do so. What else does he pray for? For strengthening. He prays for increased knowledge of the Lord and His will. And he prays for more love, more love that we can have more love for each other and that we can have more love for God. Is this what our prayer life looks like? Are we praying for these things? And if not, why? I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray. We have an opportunity every Tuesday night, our, our prayer group meets, but this is a special opportunity and I don't I don't usually ask for a commitment, but I'm going to be asking for a commitment. We're going to talk more about it tonight at our annual meeting. At our, next year, we're going to focus a lot on unity. We're going to focus on unity in our body, unity as a, as a fellowship, and unity of mission. We need to get to know each other. Uh, we need to come together more. We need to be unified. Hearts, minds, souls, mission, everything. One of the ways that we're going to do that is six times, six times, six times throughout the year on a Wednesday night, we're going to meet here in this sanctuary and we're going to pray. We're going to pray for those things. And I'm asking you, I'm asking you as a church, as a church body, please do this. And let's see what God does in our lives over the next year. This is where it begins in prayer. Revival starts 
in our own hearts. If we want to see God work, we need to pray to him. An opportunity, we're going to do some other stuff too that we're going to talk about tonight. So again, a plug for tonight. But for one year, six times we'll do a prayer and we're also going to do a devotional uh, during that time that's going to focus on those things that we're going to talk about. As, As we pray, as we are abiding in Him, as we're allowing His Word to soak over our lives, we are bearing much fruit, we are continuing to follow Jesus, and we are accomplishing one of the primary goals as a Christian is bringing glory to God. That's the goal. Look at the end result of the one who abides. The one who abides bears much fruit. The one who abides continues to be my disciple. These things bring glory to God. You want to know why ultimately we're created? That's it, folks. That's it. And bringing glory to God can only be done by abiding in His Son, Jesus Christ. Listen to how he ends this. My Father is glorified by this. By what? That you bear much fruit. And so that word so is actually not in there. And continue to be my disciples. I don't agree with the translation prove because the so isn't there. It's not, it's not so that you prove to be my disciples. That's not what he's saying, I don't think. He's saying two things bring God glory is bearing much fruit, bearing abundant fruit, and continuing, remaining as his disciples, walking and following him. Somewhere in the Namib Desert, the American rock band Toto's Song Africa, first, that's a great song. How many people like this song? I got the way down. You want me to sing it? No. Okay. Okay, let's just keep moving right along there. Whew. It's not bearing much fruit, that one. First release in 1982 is blaring from a set of speakers. Namibian German artist Max Seinentopf spent uh, one December constructing a new art installation on the rugged, rugged desert landscape of his home country. What was his goal? His goal was that the sounds of Toto's rock anthem Africa be heard in perpetuity. Amen. That's awesome. To that end, Seinentopf connected six speakers to an MP3 player loaded with the song set to play on a loop, and he placed it in an undisclosed location in the Namib Desert. According to the plan, the solar batteries hooked into the speakers and the player will ensure perpetual power and allow Africa to play at least until it rains. I, <laughs> I abs- what, what a great illustration. As long as you and I are connected, abiding in Jesus Christ, we are perpetually playing a song, and it's a song of God's praise over and over and over and over and over again, except we're not playing it in a desert. We're playing it in this world. For every, we're playing it in our churches, and we're playing it in our communities so that everyone can hear it. Main goal. 
main goal, bringing glory to God, not myself. It's not that, oh, Pastor Mark, you're bearing so much fruit. Yeah, high five. You're such a good guy. Oh, God must be so happy to have you on his team. That's not why we do it. We don't do it to bring glory to ourselves. We don't do it so people can be impressed with all of our works. We do it to enhance God's reputation in this world. And I, I love that. I, I love that, that idea because it means to influence one's opinion about another so as to enhance their reputation. It means to cause to have splendid greatness. So by our good works, by our abundant fruit, by us remaining as disciples of Jesus Christ, we're enhancing the reputation of God for all the world to see. Influencing others as to how great God is by the lives that we live as they resemble the character of His Son, Jesus Christ. Why are you like that? Why are you gentle? Why are you joyful? Why are you patient? Who are you? Well, I'll tell you. I'm in Jesus Christ and that's why I'm this way. People see it. People get hungry. They want it. And it brings glory to God. And we fulfill our purpose, don't we? What a different ending than those branches from fire to glory. And the glory to the only one who deserves it. There are three letters that are, some of you nurses may know this, that are written on charts that are very sad letters sometimes. They are FTT, failure to thrive. Sometimes it's in reference to children if they're not nourished. Sometimes it's in reference to elderly adults if they're depressed or just not able to thrive anymore. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. That's a bad state physically, isn't it? It's a, it's a bad state, worse state spiritually. Jesus gives us a promise. He says, those three letters, failure to thrive, you abide in me, you're never going to see them on your spiritual charts. As a matter of fact, it's just the opposite. The one who is abiding is the one who is what? Thriving. The one who is bearing not just a little bit of fruit, but abundant fruit. He has a fruitful prayer life. Those prayers are being answered. He's continuing as a disciple of Jesus Christ, and his ultimate purpose is being fulfilled in the fact that he brings glory to God. Now, that's a life we should all want, isn't it? Jesus tells us how to do it. Abide in him. Father, Lord, some very, very difficult words, but words that we need to hear. We thank you so much for your power in our lives. Lord, help us to realize every single day of our lives that apart from you, we can do absolutely 
nothing. And if we do do anything, those things have no eternal value whatsoever. Lord, ingrain this truth in our hearts so that we will bear abundant fruit, not for ourselves, but for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.